who had always hankered after the good life, recognised that this was as near to it as any penguin could decently hope for. He was an emperor penguin, a posh penguin to you and me, and it was a source of some dismay to him that his aristocratic status had never been properly acknowledged by the powers that be at Melton Meadow Zoo. If he had been living in the wild, he would have lauded it over his fellow penguins. On colder days, he would have required them to huddle around him to keep his flippers nice and toasty. His grandmother had told him all about his noble breeding and this huddling thing. She said it was called a turtle, which had always puzzled him because he was a penguin, not a turtle. He wondered whether, when lots of turtles huddled together, they called it a penguin. But since he was the only penguin in Melton Meadow, there was no one to lord it over or even keep him warm by pretending to be a turtle. But as he looked around the Pomfrey's bedroom, he suddenly felt at home. He gazed in admiration at the bedclothes, the deep purple carpet, and the matching bedside lights, and he realised that this was what he had been missing all these years. This was what he had been born to. These were indeed surroundings fit for an emperor penguin, he resolved to make himself comfortable. He would start by having tea in bed. So he picked up his fish supper, flipped onto the eiderdown, snuggled under the ample goose-down duvet Mrs Pomfrey had recently purchased, and settled down for a nice meal and a dreamy snooze. When Mr Pomfrey returned an hour later, night was falling and he could not see the penguin anywhere, but his nose told him that something unfortunate had happened. He turned on the light. True enough, there was the penguin, snoring contentedly under the bedclothes. And there were Mrs Pomfrey's new bedclothes, littered with fish bones, smeared with fishy smears, and stinking to fishy high heaven. Oh, no! groaned Mr Pomfrey, and then, as he got nearer and savoured the full impact of the fishy pong. Holding his nose, he awakened the dozing penguin. Come on, out you get! And he led the dopey penguin downstairs and left him in the kitchen while he went upstairs to change the sheets and get rid of the smell. This was only partially successful, and for months afterwards, Mrs Pomfrey was prone to dreams about haddock and chips. Leaving the penguin downstairs in the kitchen was Mr Pomfrey's second big mistake. Penguins have sensitive nostrils, and I am afraid to say that Mr Pomfrey's penguin was quick to realise that there was yet more fish to be had. His nose took him to a dish sitting on the kitchen surface to the left of the sink. It was just too high to eat where it was, so he niftily swept it onto the floor with a flipper and set about licking the fish pie off the floor, taking care to leave behind the potato topping, which was not to his taste. By the time Mr Pomfrey came downstairs, the penguin was sitting happily on the floor, preening his feathers and wondering what more life had to offer. The immediate answer to this was being banished to the potting shed, where he was forced to spend a night in conditions he did not consider remotely befitting a noble emperor penguin, though Mr Pomfrey did supply him with a blanket and a paraffin stove. 
it would be kinder not to dwell on Mrs. Pomfrey's reaction when her bridge evening ended and she emerged to find the whole house ponging of fish and Mr. Pomfrey clumsily trying to knock up a supper out of some old sausages he'd found stuck behind a mouldy lettuce in the fridge. All in all, the weekend was not a great success. Chapter 3 Mr. Emblem, the elephant keeper, took his elephant home with him to his house in Enderby Drive. Now, of course, it had never occurred to Mr. Emblem that he would ever have occasion to entertain an elephant at home, or else he would have bought a larger house. As it was, he had bought a small house. Too small for an elephant. And it was some way from Melton Meadow Zoo. Too far for an elephant to walk, or, at any rate, too far for an elephant who was a touch out of condition. So, by the time the pair of them made it to Enderby Drive, both were a tiny bit grumpy. Mr Emblem had been plotting on his way home. Though the house was small, it had a big garage, and Mr Emblem had a small car, so... He figured as he tried to avoid the curious stares of passers-by, there would be plenty of room for the elephant in the garage as well as a car. This was Mr. Emblem's first big mistake. Mr. Emblem left the elephant in the garage and went off to get her some food. The elephant, weary after the long walk from the zoo, decided to sit down. She sat on the car. The car was squashed not only squashed, but flattened. It is a little-known fact that an elephant can weigh up to six times the weight of a car. On this occasion, it was no contest. Mr Emblem's shiny mini, second-hand, but still his pride and joy, was as flat as a pancake. Oh, no! groaned Mr. Emblem when he returned and saw the elephant sitting smugly on a bed of mangled mini. And then... which was his way of telling the elephant he was not entirely pleased with her. Come on, he said. Out! And he led the elephant into the back garden, with a duvet over her head to keep her warm. It is probably best to pass over the subsequent incident, which involved a water butt, a quantity of icy water, the elephant's trunk, and an astonished neighbour. Two hours later, a local scrap dealer came round and took away the pile of twisted metal that had once been Mr Emblem's pride and joy. The elephant was allowed back into the garage, where she remained for the next 48 hours. All in all... The weekend was not a great success. Chapter 4 Mrs Crumble, the crocodile keeper, took her crocodile home to the small house she shared with Mr Crumble in Cross-Stitch Crescent. On her way home, she pondered the best place to keep the crocodile, since, as you know, they like to split their lives between living on land and living in water. She decided the best place to keep him would be in the bathroom, which was a nice big room. She would fill the bath with pleasantly warm water and the crocodile could decide whether to lie on the tiles or in the bath itself. 
This was Mrs. Crumble's first big mistake. As luck would have it, Friday night was the evening that Mr. Crumble came home late from work. It was also the evening that Mrs. Crumble went to her evening class in lawnmower maintenance. Before she went out, she fed the crocodile, led him upstairs to the bathroom, and scribbled a note for Mr. Crumble, which she left on the kitchen table. Mrs. Crumble was getting quite good at maintaining lawnmowers, but she was still not very good at spelling. She was considering trying spelling night classes once she had finished with lawnmowers. The note read, Dinner in the oven. Beware crock in bath. Mr. Crumble returned home and read the scribbled note in the absent-minded sort of way that he had. He was long accustomed to Mrs. Crumble's eccentric fashion with spelling. Oh, uh, what in the bath? he puzzled vaguely. A clock in the bath? Oh, that didn't sound right. A frock in the bath? That seemed very unlikely. A crack in the bath? That was bothersome. He would have to call the plumber. Whereupon he forgot all about it and settled down to watch the news on television. After the news he went upstairs and started running the bath. He was still distracted by Mrs. Crumble's mysterious note, and he quite failed to notice that the bath was already half full. The Friday night bath was Mr. Crumble's favourite moment of the week. With Mrs. Crumble out of the house, he could pamper himself rotten. So this week, as with every other week, he lit some scented candles, selected his favourite bubble bath oil, and began to sing to himself quietly at first, then a little less quietly.